Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I am the host of Fides Podcast. Who am I? I'm just a guy interested in speaking the truth. What does Fides mean? I'm sure that that's what you were thinking. Fides is Latin for faith, belief, and truth. In this crazy world we live in, I wanted to bring some more truth-telling and education to those willing to listen. I want to discuss and debate those that have different beliefs so that we can understand each other and all of you can hear two perspectives. But there is only one truth, only one fides, and that is what you will find. Enjoy. Okay, so thank you for joining me on Fides Podcast. Uh, you could reach me at jerry at fidespodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very, very excited uh, with my guest today. Uh, just, just a little bit of a background on my guests. Um, I had seen a post on Facebook on uh, Candace Owens' page uh, that uh, my my guests had written about their story and their history, and I loved it. And I reached out to them and said, "Don't know them, we're strangers," and said, "Would you be able to be on my podcast? I'd love to hear your story and your testimony." So I want to welcome Lexi and Duan Bell. Um, thank you to thank to you my program. Yeah, thank you both. Appreciate it. So I'll just let you right, get right into it. So Lexi, you, you wrote this post. Do me a favor and give me, you know, what prompted you to write it and give me a little bit about your background, um, you know, where you came from, grew up, and then Duan, um, if you can do this, do the same. I, w- I would appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, so what prompted me is really simple. I felt the need to share my story i was compelled it was like fire on my bones like to just share my story so that so that america can you know see that it's possible that you know from the gutter from democrat jurisdictions democrat backgrounds lifelong democrats um brainwashed to be in democrats uh Mm -hmm. program to be in democrats because of the mainstream media because of celebrities Um, I was compelled to share my story because I know that a lot of conservatives and Republicans, they just sometimes they don't see any hope in the black community. Like the black community just votes Democrat. That's just what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And which is true. Yeah, Uh, we've been programmed to do that. Um, So I just felt compelled and the need to share my story and to give some hope. Um, So I wrote about where I come from. You know, I come from Harlem. New York City from the projects and I gave a very grim grimy <laughs> description mm-hmm. of what that is <laughs> yeah you, you, you absolutely did and it was <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's sad but it's inspiring you know is really maybe the best way to put it because you know whether you're white or black you know your mm-hmm. and Duan's story is an inspirational one and and is one we all need to hear uh Duan, i know you're you're on mute uh to help our sound a little bit better I, i'd love if you could also Duan, give us a, a quick background into your uh your life because it's uh it's very interesting as well 
Oh, yeah, man. And, you know, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Jerry, for having us as guests on your show here on the podcast. And uh, to my lovely wife, I give honor and thank <laughs> you for taking the initiative to put our story out there. Unbeknownst to me, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Women <laughs> tend to do that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I'm learning. I'm learning. We've been married now eight years and I'm learning every day. You know? This is actually my wife is actually the first uh, committed relationship I've ever been in. Awesome. So it's all new to me. But yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, a little bit about me. I'm uh, Dewan. I go by the Hope Man. That's my AKA moniker, yep. whatever, you know, because I'm trying to give hope wherever I can. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a play on words because, you know, there's so many uh, statistics out there who aspire to be dope men or dope men, you know, and sell dope in the neighborhoods that I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to be that. I want to be the antidote to that. And the neighborhood I come from, I'm actually from South Central Los Angeles, born and raised. Uh, I'm a second generation. Well, I'm an ex-gang member now, but both of my parents were gang members. Uh, my father actually was murdered in the line of duty as a gang, active gang member. Wow. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, my mother, she passed away when I was 12 years old from breast cancer. So that left me basically as an orphan from mm-hmm. 12 uh, to which led me to a downward spiral of just kind of living in the streets in South Central Los Angeles. So from there, I really started heavily gang banging. And doing everything that comes with that. I mean, you you name it, you know, from heavily drug addiction, uh, alcoholism to violence to death to fights to, you know, you yep. name it. I, I did it all. Um, crime, you know, everything that you can think of. I've, yeah. I've, been, I've lived it. And then, um, you know, eventually I got caught up in the, the, the uh, justice system. So, you know, in and out of uh, jails and uh police stations and then eventually got it uh, to the system so I, I got you know into foster care and group homes and that whole thing um so i've just been kind of a vagabond <laughs> you yeah. know uh all of my life pretty much up until um i got a real good thorough introduction to christianity and obviously in a western civilization we all are kind of familiar with christianity sure uh but for me to get a real good grasp of it and really start to delve into the Bible for the first time on my own um, as a as an as a young man actually around I was about twenty uh, about twenty twenty one years old somewhere around mm-hmm. here and um, yeah it just it, it just started to transform me and um, from there I just I realized that the the life that I was living I, I no longer wanted to live and um, I got out of jail and I uh, kind of made a promise to God that this this time. You know, I would I would go down a different direction and that kind of mm-hmm. led me to getting myself together, you know, um, getting a job and seeking. Edu- I, didn't, I didn't even finish high school, so I had to get like a yeah. GED and try to get a better job. Then eventually I met my wife. We got married. We had three. We have three beautiful children and we are now married for uh, we've been married eight years. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, just uh, so, continue. Oh, go ahead. No. So, so I was just going to ask you, you had said you, you, you know, found Christianity and like, how did you do that? How, how did it happen? Or what was the impetus to cause that to happen? And, and Lexi, I'll, I, I'll, after Duan is done, I'd love to hear your answer to that same question. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I, the funny thing about it is God had been trying to get my attention pretty much all my life. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I really wasn't paying mm-hmm. attention. So um, actually, when I was about maybe 14 or 15 years old, I had a, a close, close. Um, I, she's like a relative. She's basically a, a family member, but um, she's not actually my family. Okay. She um, was living a crazy, wild lifestyle, just like I was. Her husband at the time was like this, 
you know, double O, triple O G crazy gang member. Uh-huh. And um, she was just always wild, like into all kind of stuff. And she was like my favorite person to be around when I was younger because it was like exciting and thrilling and fun. You never know what you would end up into it or what yeah. you would see with it. Um, so fast forward when I was, um, like I said, about 14 or 15 years old after my mother passed away, her and my mother were really close. And I was just, I was literally living in the streets at this point, going from pillar to post. And uh, she just kind of came to do like a um, a wellness check just to make sure I wasn't like dead or, uh, you know, uh, you know, make mm-hmm. sure I, I could have something to eat or whatever. And uh, she came and I don't even know exactly how she found me, but well, I mean, she knew the neighborhood that I was around. So all she had to do was hit a couple corners. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, long story short, she picks me up and she's like, hey, you want to just get something to eat and just kind of get a break? I'm like, sure. No problem. I am pretty hungry. And I, I was riding the car with her as we were going to go get some food. And uh, her name's Cherie, by the way. And um, I, I was just observing how different she was from the last time that I had seen her. And her entire demeanor was different. Everything about her from the music she was listening mm-hmm. to, the way she spoke, the words she was using, the way she dressed. And she been, it felt like she had like a glow. And I'm like, yo, Cherie, what, what happened to you? You okay? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and she's like, oh, I, I, I was born again. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And, and, and from there, it just planted a seed and it kind of like took root. Um, and although I didn't really like probe and, and really fully move on it like I should have then in order for it to really change my life. Um, I saw enough at that time that it, it, it left enough of an impression that mm-hmm. at the right time, at the acceptable time. Um, after I went through all that I went through and ended up in jail that last time, um, I really started reading the Bible and, and that along with the seed that she had planted way back when the scriptures that I was reading at that later time in my life was watering those seeds. And then eventually it, it, it became something that it, it gripped me and kind of wouldn't let me go. So um, I started seeking and then I actually went to the church that she introduced me to mm-hmm. uh, called Peace Apostolic Church in Carson, California. And um uh, I started learning and uh it was powerful it really transformed me and changed me and um yeah, yeah. just just going and wanting to know more and eventually like enrolling in bible college um and just really having my own personal relationship with the lord um it it it, it just transformed me so wow yeah that's that's fantastic uh that, that's a really great story just to, to hear that somebody it took somebody being that example to you uh to make that happen she didn't start with any of that. We were, it was just me and her because we always had a good relationship and mm-hmm. um, just talking. And I just was observing. I'm like, man, you know, you're very different. Mm-hmm. And I've always remembered how powerful that was for myself. So I've tried to always keep that with me going forward. Now that evangelism and soul winning is a concern for myself, mm-hmm. um, which is actually, I don't know if we'll get into it, but that's actually how me and my my wife met. But um, yeah, enough about me. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so, so I think we lost uh, Lexi for a minute. Uh, taking care of the kids um uh, possibly but she's back so lexi um i was just um the oh question oh my gosh <laughs> i'm so sorry my son just woke up no that's fine i i kind of expected it either you or me would would have this issue so so i was asking uh, duan was answering the question as far as how he found christianity how he kind of uh, turned the corner or changed his life and um, I, I'd love to know your story as well 
I mean, I, I'm going to give you the short version because you know how God is. He mm -hmm. is a detailed, orchestrated, amazing, omnipotent Alpha and Omega God. So I mm -hmm. can tell you for two hours how right. he brought me to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'll condense it into a short story. Um, basically, I was in the industry, in the entertainment industry. All I knew was the dark world okay the mm -hmm. very dark world and without getting spooky or anything like that um we all know how media and entertainment is we we've heard stories about you know the devil being all in it and so <laughs> mm -hmm. and so i really knew that okay the dark world does exist so there must be light yeah. you know somewhere i just don't know where it is and so that led me to ask some questions and find some answers. And um, long story short, you know, I made a decision to leave the industry, follow Christ, learn the Bible, um, you know, read the Bible. And then that's when I met my husband at a Bible study. And I think I mentioned that on the post, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so and so we met at a Bible study and then he um then invited me to his church and when I got to his church it was you know the rest is history it was like yeah. I found I found Mecca when I got to his church and and keep in mind I was looking long and far and wide and near I mean yeah. to to the hilltops and the deserts I was looking for God and I couldn't find him and then finally he found me and that's my story that's awesome that's a great uh -huh. that's that's great um <laughs> So yeah. I, I, both both those stories are great and inspirational, uh, like I said. So yeah. I, I want to go into a little bit, um, you know, further in your post, and the post mm -hmm. was was specifically posted on uh, Candace Owens. Uh, hopefully, I think most people listening know who Candace Owens is, but just in case they don't, uh, she is a young um, black. Uh, uh, activist, I guess you would call her. She's she's conservative, and she has something called the Blexit movement, mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. which she's trying to encourage um, African Americans to leave the Democrat Party. Um, she yes. has, and I believe it's the walk away. Uh, it's the walk away movement um, where you share your story of walking away. So mm -hmm. something you you had posted is you said is as is as black people. It was sort of mm -hmm. you were Democrats. That was it. That was all. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. there was nothing. Mm -hmm. What what was it that mm -hmm. that made that the case? Like what 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 were, what did you hear in your communities or your your environment that said I vote Democrat? Um, Dewan, you want to answer that or you want me? Well, I think um, like to answer it you know specifically i think maybe you would have a better answer because for me i've actually never voted i've never right. voted in my life um it's okay. just that and, and i honestly have never had any interest in politics you know i couldn't tell you who was i mean obviously we all know who the president is and we you know we remember in the black community when barack obama won because it was mm -hmm. so like glamorized and celebrated and it was just i Biden. cried i yeah. got on my knees and started crying because mm -hmm. obama won Okay, yeah. so I, I, I'm, I'm okay. So maybe I should answer it. So but, yeah. yeah, I'll let you take it. But I just, just in that, like I remember, I remember when Obama won in 2008. 
I remember specifically that I was going to get something to eat in South Central Los Angeles and I was hitting corners and there were people like on the corners, like there were um, cars yeah. honking. There was that like was t-shirts being sold on Crenshaw and Slauson. Like it was like a festival of, for black people yeah. in LA that day. And I just, because I didn't know anything about anything, it just kind of gave me a sense of pride and I felt sure. good. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know? So okay. I'll, I'll let you take it from there. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never voted personally. So, so what I would say is, um, the reason why we vote Democrat all the time, number one is we don't really have a lot of influence in our own households. Like when it comes to parents, you know, like father figures and, you know, mothers, cause they're out busy working every day. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the best um, way I can describe is that we're raised by the television. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like sa sadly to say, but we're raised by media, you know, Hollywood is raising these black kids. Mm -hmm. And so then Jay-Z Beyonce's voice becomes more influential than your parents because your parents is working three, four jobs, going mm -hmm. to school. They're not really at home to really lead and guide you the right way. So the person that becomes more influential in your life is the basketball players, the football players, and whoever the media is telling you to vote for, that's who you're going to vote for mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And then your parents in the black community, they so busy with their life when they come home and they unwind, they are watching television and that's our pastime. So what happens is they get indoctrinated and they get programmed as well with mm -hmm. Hollywood and with actors because that's our form of entertainment. Um, we are big people. We, we are people of entertainment like we love entertainment we love music we love movies you know yeah. uh sports and so when these people tell us or endorses someone we trust them you know what i mean okay. so that's why we vote democrat gotcha and, and if i could just really quickly just take it a step further like because you bring out a good point as far as like the 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 structure at home and you mentioned like the parents being so busy but we know by and large, you know, what is it? Seventy-three percent of of our our households in the black community don't even have a father. In right. It, you know, so right. I think that that plays a major part in the reason why black people, by and large, just continually support the Democratic Party as well, mm -hmm. is because they pander to the plight of black people and knowing that we don't have fathers at home who mm -hmm. are more critical, objective kind of thinkers to get down to the bottom of some of these things. Um, they the Democrat party recognizes this and they know this. And what they do is they have all of these uh, policies or issues that they s support that cater to the big government of taking care of the household in lieu of the father being there to handle that responsibility of providing. So the government then becomes the father, the government becomes the mm -hmm. husband and takes care of the women and takes care of the children and it's kind of a, you know, a trade off there. It's like you continue to vote for us, keep us in power. We'll continue to take care of you and your communities. So, yeah, it, it you know, it, it was interesting, Lexi, you had wrote, written in your post that when when Trump said uh, uh, when when Trump said to the black community about voting for him, they, he, he said he said, what the hell do you have to lose? I, I yeah. thought that was funny. And I, I love that he said it because I, I agree with what you you said earlier earlier on how how 
the Republican Party typically just almost just gives up and says, look, we ain't getting their vote. Let's move on. And Trump, mm-hmm. you know, to his credit, like him or not, I like him, but, you know, like him or not, he said, look, I don't care. The mm-hmm. black communities are not doing as well as they could, you know. Exactly. And so let, let's try something different. But mm-hmm. so so as you started researching, because you – you mm-hmm. fell on your knees and cried when Obama was elected. Um, yes. And, and, under- and I voted for him twice. You voted for him way. twice, and you voted for Hillary. You, you I called, did. You called her Killary, unless that was a typo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, so obviously, you know, you, you, you voted that way, but very quickly you changed. So take me through, and I'd ask both of you one at a time to take me through that sort of change what you saw if i may just to because you mentioned my favorite part of the whole evolution of me wanting to even know about politics at all was the trump factor and Mm -hmm. it was donald j trump that got me and i by the way love donald trump if you can't tell but um when he (laughs) said that when he made that statement of what you said when he looked at the black community and he said what do you have to lose I, that I was really sold because at that point mm-hmm. I was still kind of like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really all the way at that point didn't know what to think because I still had the the uh, the persuasion of the media and the entertainers mm-hmm. and then everybody that I knew personally that the, the consensus was that Trump running for president was some kind of joke or, or publicity stunt. And mm-hmm. at that point, though, I was listening to the man myself. I drowned out the noise and I was listening to him on those debate stages when he was trying to become the Republican nominee. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to him on the campaign trail and he was resonating with me so much. And I saw a sincerity and a genuineness in, in, you know, at that, in my opinion. And then when he said that for me, it just sold me on him and I've been sold ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, me on the other hand, I remember my husband being on the Trump train, Trump train, and I had voted for Hillary and I even went out. I mean, yeah, I went out. I voted for her. And every time my husband would bring up Trump, I didn't really want to hear it. I didn't want to have anything to do with it because it was taboo. You know, mm-hmm. it's a taboo thing to, you know, be supporting somebody that's usually not supposed to be supported. Like, no, right. this is not the way we should go to get off that train because this man was just talking about grabbing, you mm-hmm. know, the JJs yep. Yep. and you know, the, you know what the media puts out, you know, and they, yeah. they form this narrative of this man. And again, like I said, I've been hoodwinked with the media my whole life. I mean, these are my parents, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oprah, is my auntie and can't mm-hmm. nobody tell me that she's not my auntie and i tell the one is like oprah was my auntie oh yeah you say that all the time <laughs> i learned so much from these people because again um these were the people that looked out for me because i was in front of the tv and these were like my babysitters yeah. honestly i was born and raised with the television so, I mean, I, to to sum it up, I have to give all the credit to my husband for, you know, giving me the facts. And he would little by little just start, you know, telling me, but look, this is the truth and this is facts mm-hmm. and this is not. And, and so little by little, like, it didn't take me that long to hop on the train, mm-hmm. but I eventually hopped on the train when I seen, like, all the 
foul things that was happening to people that would support Trump. I didn't think that that was right. What really made me jump on the Trump train was the fact that people could not wear the Make America Great hat. And I thought that that was absolutely mm -hmm. wrong. And I felt like, oh my gosh, our freedom of speech is being taken away from us. Yeah. That is not cool. Like, and so I've always been a person to stand up against the bullies. And I felt like the Democrats and the liberals were becoming bullies. And I didn't want to be a part of the bully group anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do exactly. I, um, I, I'm a huge Trump fan myself. Uh, mm -hmm. Huge. I was early on a fan of his, even, be, even before some you know, friends and relatives who are Republicans and voted for him even before they were. I loved, I loved, I, I could listen to him all day talk, mm -hmm. uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, let me, let me uh, take you into two, two more topics uh, before we end here. The first one is the, um, you, you mentioned a couple different times, Lexi, um, I guess the life issue, pro-life, um, mm -hmm. and then you also talked about um, human trafficking, tra child trafficking mm -hmm. um, as being big issues. Um, mm -hmm. Let's stick with the pro-life because uh, I think <laughs> I, only because, um, you know, I, I think that I haven't heard anyone besides Trump really addressing that issue, which I think is, is, is great to hear. I think it's a horrible, horrible evil that's, that's actually exacerbated by illegal immigration which no one wants to talk about mm. but um but within the black community i mm -hmm. the pro-life movement you know we have um i had pastor moss who i had mentioned was on my my show and um you know he talked about the the, the starting of planned parenthood by margaret sanger a hor mm -hmm. horrible racist um the targeting of the black community by planned parenthood and the numbers of abortions um, I think I saw that it was a year where there were more abortions of black babies in New York than there were births. Yes, yes. Um, is pro-life a black issue? Do you think that most of your community is pro-life, whether they're Republican or Democrat or not? But but if they, what's their heart say? Um, the numbers show, and the numbers don't lie, 60% of black women are getting abortions, and they're the ones, um, the majority of the women that go to Planned Parenthood is black women. So mm -hmm. the numbers don't lie. It shows um, how many millions of black babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade. I, I believe it's 20 million, babe. Can you correct me on that? My well, yeah. It's um it's so even like so what you just said sixty percent it's it's sixty percent of the women who get abortion sixty percent of them are black women mm -hmm. not sixty percent of black women but of the women who have gotten abortion sixty percent are black oh, and that's what I mean. and, Thanks, and babe. No, I got you and since Roe v Wade <laughs> which was about fifty years ago there have been twenty two point five million black babies that have been aborted to put that mm -hmm. into context in the year 1960 there were about 19 million black people in america mm. yeah wow mm. yeah it, it's yeah. so that means that as of 1960 if we take the number of abortions that have have transpired that would have wiped out the entire black race <laughs> right right and it's not wow. funny at all but right, i you right, know i right. say that because it, it just sounds crazy when you think about it that way especially knowing the the roots of planned parenthood which mm -hmm. 80 percent of planned parenthood's facilities are in minority communities 
knowing that it was started by a known racist who practiced eugenics and said mm -hmm. that she wants to wipe out the black community and Margaret Sanger, but yet and still we continue to support this establishment. Not mm -hmm. only do we support it with our feet by going into their doors and allowing them to practice what I would call, you know, devil worship, basically, because we're, we're mm -hmm. spilling the blood of these innocent children um, and sacrificing them to, to the demonic forces, in my opinion. Um, not only are we doing it that way, but then we continue to vote for a party that funds mm -hmm. <laughs> the exact institution that was established to to wipe us out, essentially. So to answer your question, um, as far as like where is our community's heart on this or, you know, do I think most people where they stand on this in the black community? Um, I would say that from in my from my vantage point from the, the black community that, that I'm from in South Central Los Angeles, we're very pro death. Mm -hmm. We are so pro death and we are not pro life at all. And black uh, lives it, don't matter. In the black world. lives don't really matter in the, in the inner cities of this uh, where I'm from. You know, I can't speak to uh, suburban mm -hmm. uh, communities. I can speak to where I'm from yeah. that we disregard life almost completely. If we're talking mm -hmm. abortions, we we don't we do it without a second thought. Uh, yeah. As men, as men, we encourage it. We will even I I, I can give you anecdotal uh, evidence of men who have threatened women and said you're you're going to get an abortion. This is yeah. not a choice for you, you know. And if you don't, I will take care of you and that baby, you mm. know. So I'm telling you from firsthand experience. The abortion issue is one thing, but just the sheer fact that we will murder our neighbor without uh -huh. second thought and then go have a cheeseburger as if we didn't just take a life. You know, our, look, look at our music, look at our mm -hmm. culture, which we, we, we call entertainment. Yeah. We're the only community, we're the only culture who sits and listens to poison talking yep. about killing one another. Yep. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it blows your mind when you sit back objectively and, and look at this stuff. When you're in it, you can't see it. But when you step out of it and mm -hmm. you go back, you're like, man, it's literally like I'm plugging from the Matrix. And that Matrix is yeah. a deadly, deadly Matrix. So, yeah, that's my two cents. No, that's that's great. Um, that's great opinion. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, so actually, I said two things, but I actually meant three. So um, the the one that I want to talk about right now is 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 while I have you guys on is all that's going on now with, you know, you had mentioned Black Lives Matter, um, you know, police shootings and things like that. And, you know, it certainly is a sensitive issue. I don't know anyone out there who says, uh, you know, if there's a, a wrongful shooting and it's obvious, I don't know anyone who makes excuses for it. Um, right. you, know, you know, police aren't perfect. You know, we, we don't expect them to be. We have 320, what, 20 million people in this country. Police mm -hmm. are going to do bad things. Um, right. Give me each of your, if you could, your take on what's going on. Do you believe that that there's a war on black people by the police? Do the, do the police treat innocent black people differently? Um do you tell your your sons hey you know be careful when you walk outside and walk to school you might get killed by a police officer what like, what, what is your perspective i'm i'm a, i'm a white guy i'm as i'm as white as they come you know but <laughs> but um what's your perspectives um i we i can't speak for dewan dewan has his own testimony when it comes to the street and 
he probably is going to say the same thing I say, but we're more afraid of people in our own community when we walk outside the street. We're not afraid of a cop killing us or a white person killing us or a white cop killing us. We're more afraid of the homie down the block seeing us and wanting to either rape me or molest me or kill me. Um, so there's more danger in our own community with black on black crime. That's how we see it. I've never had a run run in with a officer and been disrespected by an officer. Not once I've been living on this planet for 35 years. If you respect that officer and you treat that officer as such as as a person of authority, you shouldn't have any issues. Uh, but what we're seeing is these criminals doing criminal activity and then, you know, disrespecting authority and then it escalates when it shouldn't have gotten that far. That's mm -hmm. what I see mm -hmm. when I'm looking at these uh, incidences. Um, but Dewan, you want to put in your two cents? Yeah, man. I, you know, all of this is, is very is <laughs> <laughs> so personal for me because because of my background, I've had so many run ins with the law. Uh -huh. From a very young age, yeah. I've I've been I've been a I've been assaulted by police officers. I've been threatened by police officers. I've been called racial epithets by police officers. I've had some very harsh treatment by police officers. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I don't attribute it one bit to the fact solely that I'm black. Right. It's because I was involved in criminal activity. <laughs> it's like, what do you expect the police to do if right. you are breaking the law? You know what I'm saying? It's like you expect. I don't. I don't get this whole narrative that's out there. You know, like like the police are just targeting us and killing. Listen, I I've literally with my own. I've always been respectful to the police. By the way, like when I was in the streets, I was always yes. Sir, they, they, I've had them tell me, like, you're a little too heavy on the sirs. Like, you're making me uncomfortable. Calm yeah. down. You know what I mean? It's like, I, and, and I, my, my interactions generally have been cool. Oh but God. I've had, you know, I guess you would call them friends or whatever, homeboys or whatever, that from the jump, as soon as the police roll up, they are, like, on 10, like, belligerent, just, oh, man, here y'all go targeting us. Why y'all messing, like, cursing them out, calling them out their name, like, it's like, yo, bro, chill. Like, this dude has a gun and he has the right to take you to jail. Like, yo, cool it, man. You're going to get me shot. I, I don't want that energy right now around me. I'm looking at the police like, yo, officer, I ain't with this dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, he tripping. He going wild. You know, and I've seen the police literally keep their composure and just, like, let the dude have his moment to blow off some steam or whatever. And like, you know, it's at times, you know, they might have had a warrant or whatever. And they had to get arrested at other times. They like, all right, bro, it's cool. You know, going about your business. We saw y'all standing out here on the corner, a pack of 10 of y'all. You know what I mean? And we just wanted to look into it and see what's going on. Now, this whole racial profiling thing, I got to be honest. Do I, I, in my heart of hearts, feel like the police have some type of bias in how they police us in our communities, in the black communities? They probably do, but, but rightfully <laughs> so. We commit over half of the crimes in this country. We only 13% of the population. Oh if I was gosh. the police, 
police, me right now with everything I've been through, if I was hired tomorrow to be the police in the hood or whatever, and I seen some black kids hanging out that used to look like what I used to look like, yeah, I'm going to be suspicious and yeah, I'm going to probably bump them up and say, you guys got a gun, you probably got a gun, right? I know you got a gun because they probably do. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'm that so was sorry, great. Jay. No, that was awesome. That was awesome. I got to see if I can clip oh just that gosh. section. It, you know, it reminds me of that. If you guys ever seen that uh, that Chris oh, Rock bit man. where he oh, says, yes. oh, yes. you know, "Not to get your uh, yeah. self beat up by the police." Yeah, rule number one: don't break the law. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, again, no one I have ever talked to, if there is, and there, there have been cases, not very many, where it's obvious as can be that the police officer acted very wrong, and they get arrested. I mean, it happens, yes. so, so justice does happen. Yeah. Um, I, I, to go make my little two cents, um, since we, we've all talked about the media, um, I was actually just listening to a guy um, uh, on, ranting about some of the same stuff, and and he said, you know, whenever there's a a white person in this case, police officer shoots a black man, for example, or does something, the race of the two is indicated in the headline of the media. Right. If a As black a, person right. kills a white person, you have no idea what race they are. Right. You know, so right. all you hear. And they also, you know, you know, in 2019, uh, I believe it was 19 unarmed white men were shot by police and 13 unarmed black men, right? Mm -hmm. I can't tell you a single name of any of the white men that were killed, but yeah. we could all probably, you know, we certainly know the, the more recent ones um, mm -hmm. of the black people killed. And again, we don't want anyone to be killed unlawfully regardless right. of the color but um so my my last portion that i want to finish up with here is you guys got to go see the you were at the white house you were yes so tell me about that how did that happen and, oh and what was it gosh. like and i mean again i every story involves my god so god just orchestrated it in a way where i found out coincidentally quote unquote i don't believe in coincidences but God made it a way where I found out that one of my really good friends works for the Trump administration. I had okay. came to New York. I visited my friend um, upstate. And when I went with my friend, I went with my husband to my friend's house. When I got to um, the house, I found out that my other friend, who I'm really close with, works literally in the Trump administration and it just blew our mind and we heard that he was really close with Trump. Wow. It it just blew our mind and from there I got in contact with my really good friend and we started talking and I started to tell him how much of a fan and how much we well not a fan Dewan doesn't like that word sorry babe uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's <but> okay how, <laughs> but how much of a supporter my husband is and how much of a supporter I am and how much we want to meet Trump. And so my friend was like, okay, the next event that we have coming up, I want you guys to come. And I was like, shut up. I didn't think he, you know, he was serious, <laughs> Yeah. but he really was serious. And he got us to the white house. I couldn't believe that the first event that we were going to go to, I thought it was going to be a rally, mm -hmm. but because of COVID-19, all the rallies had kind of 
Well, actually, we could have went to Rush, uh, the Rush, uh, what's it called? Oh, Mount Rushmore for the Mount 4th of Rushmore. July. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, that's the three babies, the three <laughs> pregnancy brains. I couldn't think of the name. But yeah, so we went to the White House. It was on the South Lawn. It was an amazing experience. It was super surreal. It was like a dream. Like, is this really happening? Is Dewan Bell and Jalexa Bell from the projects and this guy from South Central Los Angeles, are we really here mm -hmm. amongst all these beautiful people? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, wow! That's my, it, yeah. it was amazing. I, I literally had tears in my eyes. Like, yeah, he did. It, 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 it was incredible. I, 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 I can't like that was a once in a lifetime thing. And to, and to think we were actually w witnessing history because yes. of it was something that you know, if you listen to the media, it was illegal. <laughs> it was never supposed to happen. The president delivering uh, an yeah, acceptance right, speech right. from the White House, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? You know, but it it was just phenomenal, man, to be there to see uh, the president live up, and, and, you know, to see his family. You know, Ivanka spoke. Oh my god! Um, to see his wife, you know, um, to see so many people that we've seen, whether it be on like social media or uh, around yeah. the, the news outlets, um, to Charlie see them in person. Kirk. Yeah, like Charlie Dre Kirk. Oh yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah. Drano. Uh, Reagan O'Hanley is his real name. He calls himself DC Drano. I mean, we get so uh -huh. much content from him. Yeah. Um, Pastor Angela Jarrell Scott. Yeah. Angela Stanton King. We Angela we met. King. Yeah, yeah. 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 So many, so many. Wow. And the, the coolest I, part. Oh, go ahead. I'll let you go ahead. I was gonna say that, like the president said, there's something so majestic about the White House. It's like so much history is there. It's like to mm -hmm. think that. That's where Abraham Lincoln was. That's yeah, where, yeah. oh my gosh, it was just so surreal. It was so yeah. majestic. Yeah, Trump pointed that out in his speech where he said, you know, the right over there, like he points to the window. He's like, Abraham Lincoln was looking and thinking, oh you know, while God. we were engaged in a civil war, he's like, man, he's praying oh. to God, like, Lord, lead me. You know, how can I, yeah. how can I get this thing, you know, to, to subside or whatever? But the coolest part, though, of the night, and, and it, it, it doesn't take away from what we experienced at the White House. I mean, that is going to be forever down in history in my life. Personally, I'm going to tell that to my grandkids, grandkids, grandkids until I die. Like I was yeah. at the White House with President Trump. I have so much to say about that, but I'll just put <laughs> this up. I mean, because there's so much to that. Like God is amazing. But one yeah. of the one of the one of the coolest experiences, though, of the night was actually when we left. Oh, and yeah. I don't know if you saw the clips of like how Rand Paul and his wife were yeah, basically assaulted, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there were others like Democrat. Uh, I think he's congressman in Georgia. Uh, Vernon Jones. He was yeah, leaving. Yep. He was basically harassed and assaulted with his wife. There were a number of, 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 yes. of those instances that even the media didn't even get clips of. But right. we were leaving and we had made a connection with uh, a woman named Angela Stan King, who's a black woman who's yeah. running for Congress in Georgia, 5th District. Mm -hmm. yep. And she's a big Trump supporter. Trump actually pardoned her record. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually mm -hmm. signed a law into effect uh, based on her that, you know, no longer can a woman that's incarcerated, if she has to give birth, she can no longer be handcuffed uh, to the bed, which is something she actually experienced. And she mm. she told that to the president. He listened to her and he banned that. Wow. Mm. Um, so we made a connection with her and we had actually we had actually spoken with her through uh, social media before. And so when we saw each other, that was the first time we actually met in person. It was like, hey. And it was like, hey. It was like, look, we here. It was like, how y'all get here? It was like, we don't know, <laughs> but we here. And uh, we, we were walking out together. And upon us exiting, we 
encountered some Black Lives Matter protesters. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a nice little group. Uh, I would say maybe about 30 to 40 of them. And they were pretty rowdy. They, they got to calling us a lot of names and, you know, oh, the yeah. typical you coons and nah, da, 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 you traitors and all this stuff. They had and, so much rage and so oh, much Oh, they were so passionately wrong. But they were just infuriated by the fact mm -hmm. that they saw us walking out of this, this, this historic event. And calling we us actually... Sellouts. Yeah, okay. oh, they called us everything in the book. They called. Yeah. There was one guy. He was, anyway. I can go on and on, but the, the, to sum it up, we got to engage with them because they were, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. It kind of got heated. Mm -hmm. The police had to come in. Um, <laughs> there was a guy like the police had to kind of like grapple him. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And as we were making our way to kind of just leave, they were following us. So yeah. rather than continue to just go back and forth and tit for tat. We just asked him, like, hey, can we actually talk? Like, do you guys want to actually have a conversation or do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. And right. they actually, some of them, not all, but some of them actually came and talked. And they listened. And we listened and we went back and forth. And yeah. by the end of it, we were out there on the streets of D.C. for about an hour and a half talking with those uh, young Protesters, people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, their demeanors completely shifted. And it went mm. from them yelling at us, calling us names to actually respecting us and wanting to find us on social media and actually asking can we take pictures with them yeah, and uh, yeah. i felt like they had a shift in perspective now to say are they going to give up the rioting and the looting and the protesting and the chanting and all i don't know yeah but i think mm. that we made some impact there and and that was uh that was a, a great experience that was wow. phenomenal so when when and it's a yeah, I, I struggle with with this question, I guess. Uh, but those people looked at mm -hmm. look at Trump, and they say, and you see it all over social media and all over regular media. Trump's racist. I mean, every mm -hmm. everywhere I turn, everywhere I turn. I mean, you know, Don Lemon. You guys know who he is from CNN. You know, Trump yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, end of story. He's a racist, 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 racist. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I go, I've listened to him. I I don't. What what has he ever done that's racist? I mean, how do you guys respond to that when someone says that to you? Oh, baby, want to go first? Yeah, I mean, my response is always uh, I ask a question, just like we did that night um, in D.C. You know, their first thing was, "How can you support a racist?" And my, I just simply asked, "How is he racist?" And you get you, it's pretty much like the same typical ABC one two three. Mm -hmm. They talk about oh, he said that. Uh, all Mexicans who come yep. over the border are thugs and rapists and criminals. Or he said that black people from Africa come from S-hole countries. Or he said that there were very fine people in Charlottesville talking about white supremacy. He called white supremacists very fine people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to which none of that holds up when you actually start to dig. Right. When you when you when you actually have a conversation with people and walk them through that a little bit. You see, none of it holds up because none of it is factual. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I. I. All. Every one of those examples are the same examples I give that that mm -hmm. people say. You know, he specifically said when he said they're good people on both sides. He said, "I'm not talking about the the Nazis and the white supremacists. I'm talking about right. the peaceful people that were there on either side supporting the statue of Robert E. Lee, and some that wanted to take it down." They were good people, but yeah. uh, go ahead, Lexi. I mean, to me, I just use common sense. How could he support the Nazis 
when I think his grandchildren are half Jewish. They are, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, how, what, what is that? Like, use some common sense. Right. <laughs> and then another common sense thing is, you know, like I said, I come from the industry, from the entertainment world. He was a beloved figure mm-hmm. in the entertainment world. I just use my common sense and remember at one point how the entertainment business loved Donald Trump. He had a whole show when he mm-hmm. was a Democrat and everybody loved the phrase, you're fired. You right. know? <laughs> I mean, did we forget that he was somebody that we looked up to, um, especially in the black community, especially with rappers and Jay-Z and Diddy? I mean, he used to go to Diddy's White's party in the Hamptons. Did you forget that he was at the white party in the Hamptons? Mm-hmm. He used to be very close with all these black entertainers when he was a Democrat. But now that he switched over, what was the switch really about? Was it just because he switched over to Republicans or is it because he has something on you guys and you know, it's mm. deeper than what it seems. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, I'm going to end here because I think we can go on and on and on. Yes, and I think we're we also both, um, we're all tired from the long day of uh, schooling and everything else. But I want to thank you both for coming yeah. on on such short notice. Um, I'd love to keep in touch with you guys because I have Absolutely. some thoughts about uh, bringing you guys into some other things uh, in here in Cleveland or other other avenues as well because this was oh. a great conversation. Your story is awesome and inspirational to, uh, again, black, white, doesn't matter. It's a great story. Um, and you guys are uh, really awesome people. So thanks so much for being on. Um, Thank you for I appreciate us. Yeah, my pleasure, Duan. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, I feel like well, we made a, a great connection here. And I, I really do appreciate you having us. And I'm, I wish you nothing but success and uh, the blessings of the Lord to be upon you and your family. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.